Sports talk with a little bit of an edge. Can you feel the tension in the air right now? I know I can. I can feel it all the way down in my plums. The Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. Josh Yoey of The Athletic going to join us in about 17 minutes here on the show. In studio, baby. I've got a nice place for him to sit over here. It's called my face. Oh, I'm just kidding. Oh. Not cool. Not cool. What do you mean? I love Yoey. Yeah, but... Maybe not that much. No. Face sitting is something. Yeah. He's going to sit on that chair right over there. Put a microphone in front of his face. He wrote <laughs> about a conversation he had with Jim Rutherford about Chris Letang, and here's what he said, quote, He's not a guy that I'm actively trying to trade from our team. He's been a great player for a long time, and I think he'll continue to be so, but I can't sit here and project an offer that some team could come along and make. I can't project the future, end quote. That sounds an awful lot to me, like Jim Rutherford saying, yeah, it could happen. And Jim's a candid guy. A lot of general managers throw things out there so that teams will think one thing or the other, and... Perhaps that is part of what Jim's doing here, but Jim also is always forthcoming and always, always, always candid. He said last year that the Penguins needed to get somebody who could protect the Stars. They needed somebody who could beat some ass if it came down to that on the ice and what happened. He trades a first-round pick in Oscar Sundquist for Ryan Reeves. He said he was going to do it, and my God, he did. It's what he does. It's who he is. And he said at the end of the season in his press conference that there are going to be some changes made on this team. Now, Tim Benz wrote a column for Breakfast with Benz in the Trib about the changes that the Penguins could make. And if they are going to make quote-unquote changes, they've got to be big changes or else they're not really changes. I know I use the word a lot, but I think it gets the point across. In order for these Penguins to look different than they did this year, next year, they would have to get rid of a guy like Phil Kessel or a guy like Chris Letang, because if they don't do that, then it's just a facelift to the bottom six. So I think that there's some validity here. Here's what I think. Don't trade Chris Letang. Now, if there is an offer that blows you away, like a couple first-round picks, something like that, okay, then you do it. But under any other circumstances, don't move Chris Letang. The Penguins need defense. Defense, defense, defense. They scored goals this year. They weren't great 5-on-5. They'll need to improve in that regard. But how much of that is just coming off of two cup-winning seasons? The problem is their defense core is a little bit thinner than it's been, and they need their top-end players to play a little bit better. Chris Letang, first and foremost. Brian Dumoulin's a really good player. Ole Mata's a really good player. Justin Schultz is, I think, a stud But if you don't have that bona fide number one, or if you're paying a guy as a bona fide number one and he's not that number one, not good. And that was the case with Chris Letang this year. But next year, you have to hope, and you got to cross your fingers and you got to pray. You got to get down on your knees and say, God, please give me the old Chris Letang. Because the old Chris Letang, the two years prior to the surgery, 101 points in 112 games. As a defenseman, those are the kind of numbers that get you into the Norris conversation. As a defenseman, You can't really do it any better than that. That looks like what Carlson had been doing. 
So the best player the Penguins could acquire this offseason, to me, is good Chris Letang. Is that guy who could play 25 to 30 minutes a night, and as you get closer to the playoffs, you know you're going to get closer to that 30-minute mark, and shut down the other team's best player, and then be productive on the offensive side and drive possession. Chris Letang wasn't awful this year, but he didn't play the way a $7.25 million defenseman needs to play. But the hope needs to be, I think, for these Penguins, in order for their defense to get fixed, for that guy who played the two years prior to this year to show up. You're not going to find a better defenseman on the market. You're not. It's just not going to happen. I suppose there is a chance you could flip a Chris Letang and sign a John Carlson. But do you really think that that's going to be the course of action here? you really think the Penguins want to lock down another guy for that kind of money that they don't know as well as they know Chris Letang? I don't. The best player that they could acquire in the playoffs is a Chris Letang that's not a minus 9, but a plus 11. He was minus 9 this year. He was plus 11 the two years coming into this year. Now, he was terrible in the playoffs at times. Not the whole time, but he was terrible at crucial times, and that's not good. Bad in Game 5 against the Flyers. Had some unspeakably bad moments against the Capitals. But you're not going to find a better defenseman on the market. Not going to happen. And even when Chris Letang's at his best, he's still going to drive you crazy. He's still going to make you want to pull your hair out. But he makes enough plays for you to be okay with the occasional mistake. He's Troy Polamalu. Now, Troy's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Eh, Chris Letang, probably not. In fact, very unlikely that he would be. But they're similar high beta players. They'll do some things where you go, oh, for the love of God, why? And then the next thing you know, the puck's in the back of the net or Troy's going the other way on a 43-yard interception return for a touchdown. Here's betting that Latang comes back stronger next year, and here's hoping he does so in a Penguins uniform. Do you want Chris Latang back? 412-922-2874. Now, Benzie said that the Penguins, if they're going to change the roster up, they need to do so fairly extravagantly. And I'll agree with that point. If you're going to change the roster a bunch... Well, you're going to have had to move out big players in order to do that. If you want the Penguins to legitimately look different next year, you're going to have to move a Chris Letang or a Phil Kessel. Here's what I would do. You keep the core together. You bring up Daniel Sprong. And you do plug a couple of other little pieces in there. You bring back Jamie Alexiak. Hopefully you get a little bit better from Hunwick. Hopefully Chris Letang improves. And you've got yourself a better hockey club. I don't think the Penguins need to go out and try to reinvent this hockey team. Because if you look at the playoffs, did they fail because of their roster construction? Or did they fail because the roster wasn't good enough at the time based on injury? I think it's the latter, not the former. Phil wasn't healthy. Uh, My God, he was the worst player on the team at times. Malkin wasn't healthy. If you see the jump he had in game number one, where he skates by a couple of Philadelphia Flyers before backhanding one into the net, you didn't see that that same jump, that same speed, that same skill in the Capital Series. Latang wasn't the guy he had been the prior two years. Murray had his worst season, and there's reason to believe that he will be better. These Penguins don't need a massive overhaul. They need to be healthy. Washington's two wins away from the Cup Final. That's a good hockey team. And the Penguins had a chance to beat them, even though their best players weren't playing or playing well. The Penguins led... Two times going into the third period and lost hockey games in game three and game five. This is a team that wasn't that far off from still being playing at this point. 
We wouldn't even know it's pirate season right now if a bounce here and there went the Penguins' way. They're not that far off. Broussard's unit, I thought, clicked at the end of the series. I thought they possessed the puck well. As he got healthier, I think he played better. I don't think playing time was his biggest issue. If you're a good player, you're a good player, no matter how much time you're playing. I think the issue to me was his groin injury. That's going to have with you. So I don't think that the Penguins are a long way off from getting back to cup contention. I really don't. I think it's Phil Kessel being healthy, Malkin being healthy, Latang playing a little bit better, and you're probably going to be fine. No need to blow it all up. Not that that's the assertion, but trading Kessel is a big deal. Trading Latang is a big deal. One last Penguins note before we hear from our friend Josh Yoey from The Athletic, who's going to be here in studio. Mike Sullivan wrote a message to the fans, and it was classy as all get out. That dude bleeps, right? I mean, Mike Sullivan, he's a good-looking man. He smokes cigars. He drinks Guinea on his back porch. That's awesome. And it's got to be a Boston thing, right? Boston people have to love Guinness, don't they? Uh, The Ireland connection? Absolutely. Uh, I think so. Uh, He's just a cool dude, but it was a classy gesture to, in the midst of his first failure, really, here in Pittsburgh, for him to thank the fans for how good they've become. Now, it made me sad to an extent, too, because there is a chance that one day he might not look back on Pittsburgh fondly. There is a chance that one day Penguins fans, Penguins management might run him out of town. It happens in hockey more than it happens in any sport. Coaches get churned through like that. And it happens in other sports, too. But in hockey, my God. You know, Coach Will for half a year, see ya. They almost fired the Flyers to Dave Hackstall when they had a 10-game losing streak this year. They wound up making the playoffs their year ahead of schedule. So things could go south at some point for Mike Sullivan. Never to me. Never, ever, ever to me. That guy's one of the greatest coaches, maybe the greatest coach in Penguins history based on the two, three years he's had already. I think he's that good. I think he's meant that much. If it were easy to coach Crosby and Malkin to championships, then Dan Bosman would have coached him to more. Michelle Terry would have had more success. So he's always going to be right here in my heart. But here are a couple of takeaways I had from what he wrote. He said, quote, having Sid and Gino plus a healthy Derek Broussard allows the strength of our team to remain down the middle, end quote. Benzie's been on this a lot. Maybe Broussard moves to wing. Doesn't sound like Mike Sullivan sees it that way. And I bet Jim Rutherford doesn't see it that way either. Now, if he has to move there, fine. But they brought Broussard in to add to their depth at the center position. And now they actually don't need to address that during the offseason. When Rutherford took over, what are they going to do? Is it Sutter? Is he going to be good enough? No, clearly not. He's soft. He's not the kind of guy you need being your third-line center. But, you know, he fit. But you had to search for that guy. They had to search Long and hard for Shane. Long and hard for Broussard. Now you don't have to do that. And if he's healthy, they're fine there. The other thing that I took from it was, quote, moving forward because roster change and teams evolve, we're going to once again need our young players to step up and supplement our core, end quote. That sounds an awful lot like Mr. Daniel Sprong. And I hope that it doesn't mean that it's going to be Simone. It should mean that Daniel Sprong, like in years past, can come in and be a shot in the arm to these Penguins. They got a shot in the arm a couple of years ago when Rust and Connor Sherry came in. Pardon me, he was Connor Sherry at the time. They got a boost two years ago when Jake Gensel came into the lineup. And this year didn't really seem like they had that. Maybe Sprong could be that guy next year. It sounds like my Guinness drinker, my fellow Guinness drinker, Mike Sullivan's thinking the same thing. 
Coming up next, in studio, baby, Josh Yoey of The Athletic. Getting hot and bothered just thinking about it. It's Crowley Show. The 5th Annual Vulture Festival is here. The pop culture extravaganza is May 19th and 20th at Milk Studios in New York City. Vulture Festival brings the sharp, irreverent voice of Vulture to life with conversations, panels, screenings, performances, and live podcasts featuring Tracy Morgan, Samantha B, Claire Danes, Maggie Gyllenhaal, and more. Live podcasts, Throwing Shade, Dr. Game Show, Las Culturistas, and Boozy Brunch with your best friends, Phoebe Robinson, Gillian Jacobs, and more. For tickets and information, visit VultureFestival.com. It's like you save it up during the segment. There's a lot of talking. A lot of air is coming out, but not a lot's coming in. <laughs> well, okay, that doesn't make sense. No, not really. Maybe I'm just... Maybe I'm sick. You're just gassy. I yeah. could be sick. You got sick tongue again? I just licked the microphone. It's always penguin season here on the Crowley Show, and for real, it's always penguin season in the life of Josh Yoey. He, of course, from The Athletic, he joins us now on the program. Josh, in studio, baby! What's going on? You know, everyone out there, Adam just said, Josh, that blue button turns you on, and it's none of your business what turns me on, pal. I just wanted to throw that out there. That button looks good on <laughs> Channel 11. I didn't say it! Woo. I didn't say it! <laughs> Josh, you wrote about Chris Letang. You had a conversation with Jim Rutherford. And before we get into that, I imagine that that conversation was a long one, and I imagine that there will be other nuggets that come out of it, no? Perhaps. I mm. mean, that was probably the juiciest. Okay. You know, I, I do, you know, Jim's so, he's so open that when you do talk with him, sometimes you try to get about four or five stories right. out of him. It's summer. I'm going to spread things out a little bit, but... uh I thought that was the most interesting. And in classic Jim fashion, I think he was pretty honest. I really do. I don't think he wants to trade Chris, but if the right deal were made, sure, he'd consider it. Two things there. What do you think the right deal would be? Boy, I I have no idea what his value is right now. I really don't. Um, it's not a great contract, but if you say, well, that's what number one defenseman make, then okay, I agree, and he is a unique talent. Uh, I don't know how other people around the league feel about him in relation. We see him every night. We know what his pros are, and we sure as heck know what his cons are. I, I don't know. I, I, I But it would have to be fairly impactful. I don't think they're looking to get rid of him you know, just for the sake of making a deal to save salary. I don't think it's about that, if they would trade him. Yeah, I. that's a really good point. Uh, there is, uh, they could perhaps clear some salary and bring a guy like John Carlson in. Uh, start that rumor here on the show, but that's just not going to happen. I think the most valuable defenseman on the market is a Chris Letang who plays the way he played the last two years prior to his injury. Well, that's right, and and I think the Penguins are looking at it like, okay, Chris had a bad year, and they've been pretty open about it, and he was even pretty open about it too late in the season. So their best bet is probably let's let this guy have a full summer, which he didn't have last year, and maybe he returns to something close to where he was in 2016. He's 31, which isn't young, but he's not ancient either. So maybe they get a couple of great years out of him still. I, I, I'm not a big fan of trading guys when, when their stock is down a little bit, and I think that's the case with him. So I don't think it's going to happen. But it was interesting to me that back in December, Jim was livid when it was even suggested that he might be willing to trade Latang, And now, you know, he's not in the Crosby, Malkin, untouchable category. He's not. And, and that, that that got my attention, just that he was willing to say that. Well, and the way that he talked at the end of the season, Jim Rutherford, that is, Josh, it sounds like if there are moves that are going to be made, they're going to be move moves. Not like, oh, this fourth liner shuffles out, this fourth liner shuffles in. At least that's the sense I got. 
That's fair, and that's kind of uh, consistent with Jim's history. Uh, when a team doesn't win a cup or when things don't go just right, he'll make a big move. I mean, that, that's 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 how Jim rolls. I mean, he, he loves making big moves. He's always had that reputation, and for good reason. Um, you know, they didn't win the cup his first year here. He went out and got Phil Kessel. I mean, that, that that's, you know, he showed up here. The first thing he did was trade James Neal for Patrick Hornquist. So he is not afraid to make hockey moves, and I tend to agree with you. Um, there could be something big brewing this summer. It wouldn't shock me. Um, or maybe there will be just a couple of minor moves, but they're not going to make a huge splash, I don't believe, in free agency. They don't have the salary cap room no. to do it. So if they're going to do something big, uh, they're going to have to trade someone off this roster. Draft day, baby. Let's go. It's always when Jim does it, uh, too. He'll be dealing in Dallas. He'll, he'll be feeling it. I'll put a cowboy hat on him. It'll be great. Josh Yoey joining us from The Athletic here on The Crowley Show. I was so bummed out last year, because I am a Penguins fan, and unabashedly so, when the trade that he had worked out was the Ryan Reeves trade. <laughs> There's all kind of speculation. You're tweeting, oh, Jim's at this table, Jim's at this right. table. Uh, I'm sitting there with my hand down my pants like, what's Jim got going on? And it was Ryan Reeves, and damn it. Uh, but I-, I think that they're going to be okay. Uh, here's what I would do, and nobody asks for me to do it, but my personal opinion is I don't think the Penguins were all that far off again this year, uh, despite the fact that they really didn't look good at times in that Capitals series. They were up by a goal going into the third period in a couple of games. Washington's a good hockey club. They're up two games to one on Tampa Bay right now. If that's the bar, at least at this present moment, I think the bigger issue isn't, oh, the Penguins roster was flawed, in so much as the issue is the Penguins roster wasn't healthy. Yeah, and I think maybe it wasn't quite deep enough in some areas, whereas you know in past seasons the third and fourth lines had been so good in the playoffs for the Penguins. That wasn't the case at all this season. I don't think they need a major overhaul at all. I, I do think fatigue was a legitimate issue for this team, maybe even more mentally than physically. I, I mean, in that locker room, 10 minutes after they lost game six, I've been in much more depressed locker rooms than that one. I'm not saying they weren't angry or upset. Of course they were. But there was almost a sense of, man, we are all hockeyed out. We get a summer now. Like They would never say that, but you can almost sure. feel it. it. It makes sense. They're human beings. So I, I think this summer will be good for them, and it might be difficult to gauge this group until they get that full summer and they play you know, half of next season, whatever, to see how they look. Uh, yeah, this is still a very good team. If Chris Letang doesn't have a horrendous third period in Game 5, we're probably having a completely different conversation about the Penguins right now. They're probably getting ready to host Tampa in Game 4 tonight. That, that's reality. Yes, it is. And that's hockey. Yeah, it uh, is. Hell, the last two years, they could have been bounced by Washington, and it didn't happen. They could have been bounced for sure by yeah. Ottawa, by Tampa Bay, but they weren't, and now history knows uh, a different ending there. Uh, as far as Broussard, a lot of people already willing to say, oh, it wasn't it wasn't a great move, it was hubris, blah, 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 blah. Man, I think you got to wait and see what happens this year. Uh, you didn't just bring in a rental. You brought in a guy who you thought you had an opportunity to make a run at the Cup two times with. Do you think the issue is not enough playing time? Do you think the issue is chemistry? Do you think the issue was he was hurt, all the above? Probably all of the above. I will say this about the trade. They did give up a lot for him. They gave up a good defenseman, their number one goalie prospect, first-round pick, and their goon. Like that, That's a lot to give up for, for, for one guy. But I am reminded of the night the trade went down. The Penguins were in Raleigh on a Friday night in February, and I was talking with Jim Rutherford outside of the team bus. He was talking about the trade, and I said, boy, you gave up a lot for him, Jim. And he looked at me and he said, we got him for two years. Don't forget that. So that that was a big deal for him. Derek Broussard's a good player, okay? 
Did he fit in? Did he ever look totally comfortable? No. I think the big issue might be I saw no chemistry between Broussard and Phil Kessel. None. Now, that's not the end of the world. Phil can play with Malkin, and maybe that's the best thing. That's what Phil wants. I know that for a fact. Hmm. Um, so maybe that's ideal, and you, you find someone who can play with Broussard, but he's never been a third-line center. That's the only concern I have. And when you're the third-line center in Pittsburgh, behind those two guys, you have to be really good defensively, handle all those defensive zone draws. You're not going to get as many looks in the offensive zone. He used to drive Jordan Stahl crazy. He never really complained about it publicly, but he knew he wasn't probably putting up the numbers. Maybe he could if sure. he had that kind of ice time. Broussard's going to be in that role. Does he fit? I don't know. He's a good player. I want to see more, but that's kind of a to-be-determined, I think. Yeah, that's a good point. His numbers are probably not going to be what they had been elsewhere. No. It's just the, the ice time's not going to allow the power play time. No. Uh, is not going to allow it. What do you think about Daniel Sprong? He'll be on the team because Jim Rutherford wants him on the team. I'm not as convinced as some that he's going to be some 40-goal all-star. Um, he's got talent. He's going to score. I will tell you this about Daniel Sprong. There's something about him that gets under Mike Sullivan's skin, and there's something about him that got under Mike Johnson's skin too. We don't compare those two very often. <laughs> Because in the in the realm of Pittsburgh coaching history, they're kind of at opposite ends. Yeah, I blacked out the Mike Johnson era. <laughs> but he does irritate coaches. And remember this about him. You see Sprong play, and you see the awesome talent that he has. You, you can't ignore it. He didn't go until halfway through the second round. There's always been people who just weren't comfortable with something about him. He's got kind of a weird personality, too, kind of a big ego. Um, I, I don't know what to make of him. He'll be on the team, and he may end up being a very impactful player. You see the way he can shoot the puck, the way he thinks the game. He's got talent, yes. But I, I'm not so overwhelmed by him that I'm convinced he's going to be a star like some people are. This next player I'm going to bring up is a guy who had, for a five, six-year stretch, a hell of a career. But I get the Alexander Semin sense from <laughs> from Sprong a little bit. And he score goals. What else is he going to do? Now, Semin had some great days. He's put up 40 goals in this league before. Right. Uh, it'd be great if Sprong could do that. Um, but if he can't, if he's a 25-goal guy and he's going to give you nothing anywhere else, it is a little bit of a problem. Especially for a team that already scores so many goals. That's the thing about the Penguins. And they're so loaded on the right side, too, which is another thing. And that's one of the more interesting parts of this offseason. Look at the right side. you got Phil Kessel. Under contract, four more years. Patrick Hornquist, five more years. Brian Rust, restricted free agent. Then there's Daniel Sprong, who the GM already said is going to be on the right. team. That's a lot of money on the right side of the uh, on your depth chart. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Wouldn't Sherry rather be on that side? Probably. I, mean, I don't think he cares. He's one of those rare guys who I think can kind of do the same thing on other side. That's that's my guy. Uh, just, You're a Connor Sherry guy. No, uh, I'm, I'm I'm an I'm not, and I, but I don't want to say I'm anti Sherry. I just. What's the market going to be for that guy making three million dollars? That's the problem. But I, I don't, I don't need him on my hockey club. No, he's. We say it all the time. It's such of a hockey cliche. But when he's not scoring, he doesn't help you at all. And he no. didn't score. He didn't score much in the second half of the season. He's got two goals in his last thirty-six playoff games. That's um, bad. I yeah, it is. And I suspect Jim would be very happy to trade him for just to get that salary off the books, get some draft picks. But the feeling around the league on him is very much that he's a guy that Sidney Crosby made to some extent, and I think that's pretty valid. Whereas I don't think there's that feeling with Jake Gensel. Yeah, maybe Jake wouldn't put up the numbers he puts up if you weren't with Sid, but he's still a legitimate top six forward, clearly. Um, Sherry, I don't 
think so, and I think a lot of people tend to agree with that. He's going to be a tough guy to move. Yeah, he is. and He's got to be the throw-in on a trade maybe just to – on a one-sided trade, maybe, hey, take him and you can have this guy too. Yeah. Tristan Jari, hey. Maybe. Maybe. Everybody's got good goalie prospects. That's the problem with him, though. They do. Yeah. It's the, the era of the good goaltender. It really is. As for, you mentioned him, Brian Rust, a restricted free agent, make something happen with that guy. Because, like you said, or like I'm about to say, he'll he'll play, he can play on your first line, he can play on your fourth line. and Right side, left side. <sighs> Given to me, man. He can kill penalties. Scores big goals. He'll go to the net. He's fast. I yep. mean, he, he's everything you want. Right. And, you know, Sherry has better numbers. Russ is twice the player he is. Oh, without a doubt. It's not even a question regarding who's more valuable between them. Oh, no. So, so the one. I don't know what the money he'll get. I don't know that's what he's going to get. That's it, right? But, and I mean, he, he's going to be back. There's no question. They'll try to you know, get him a two or three year deal, I'm sure. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch. There's a lot of right wings on this team right now. Uh, I don't know, but I to me, Rust is not a guy you would willingly let go unless you're getting some kind of a big return on a trade. But he's he's valuable and he just fits in with how they play so well. Haglin fits in the way that they play. Sure does. Uh, Four million dollars. I wonder what a guy like Grabner is going to get on the open market this year. Fascinating. You know, they were they had some interest in him at the deadline, and you can see why. Talk about people who would fit in with the Penguins, right? Um, but I've had, had such a man crush on him. Oh, no, he's a really good player. Yeah, he would have been a perfect fit. Um, as for Haglin, you know, a lot of people want him out of town because of the money he makes. He is overpaid because he doesn't score many goals. However, you cannot deny how good he has always played in the playoffs. He brings out the best in Malkin a lot of the time. He's a good, safe third wheel on a line with Malkin. He takes care of the defensive work. He adds that element of speed. He draws penalties. So he is overpaid, but with only one year left on the deal, I'm sure they probably let him walk after next year. But he he just fits in so well with how they play. And you can see from a speed standpoint, the league has caught up to them to mm-hmm. some extent. You lose him, that's not going to help you in that area at all. So, yeah, he's overpaid. He stinks in the first three months of the year, but I have a feeling they might keep him around. He's such a pain in the ass if you're the opposition in the playoffs. Oh, yeah, he is. He's in on you before you get to the puck if you're if he's coming in on the forecheck. I think he's got to be one of the scariest forecheckers in the entire league, the way he gets up on you that quickly. Yeah. I mean, if the guy had hands, he'd be Pavel Bure. Yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> he doesn't exactly. have hands, but that's okay. I mean, he he's still effective. If he made two and a half a year, you'd love him. Perfect third line, you know, whatever. Play him on any line, one of those guys. But I I think he redeemed himself with the way he played in the second half. And you cannot deny, look at Malkin's numbers with and without him. He plays better with Haglin. And I think Haglin takes care of a lot of the work for him. He creates turnovers with that speed and lets Gino score the goals. It worked. Last couple of things for Josh Joey here of The Athletic. The Penguins do need to improve defensively. What's frustrating, though, from somebody who watches the team is I don't hate the guys they've got on the roster. Mm -hmm. They just did a couple of bonehead things at the wrong time. So, I mean, you're keeping Brian Dumoulin around. Holy crap, that guy's a stud. (laughs) Uh, Ole Mott, I thought, had a really good season. Justin Schultz is a really good player. You just, I think you just need to improve from within more than anything else. You, they're not going to find a top-flight defenseman this year to fit in their salary structure in all likelihood. Yeah, I don't think their problem is on the blue line at all when you're talking about their team defense. Oh, this is a good, this is a good point I by you. Their problem is their forwards aren't all that interested in helping, and they're not all that interested in making smart decisions with the puck. Um, I have had conversations with many players on this team in the last couple of years, some who are still in Pittsburgh and some who are not, who will tell you that during team meetings, Mike Sullivan yells at people a lot, and he doesn't yell at the defensemen much. He yells at the forwards an awful lot. So I think it's just 
it's a, a mindset of playing responsibly, of not leaving your defenseman hung out to dry. I don't think you can't pick one defenseman and say that guy had a bad year. You know, the, the four the guys we already mentioned were all really good this year. Jamie Alexiak, he's a good player. Yes, Ruido, he's a good number seven defenseman. He didn't hurt them. He was okay. Um, could they use maybe one more defenseman if you're, maybe they get rid of Hunwick if they can get rid of that salary? Maybe, but I'm telling you, their problem was not on the blue line. Their problem is they've got a bunch of forwards who are goal hungry, not much else. Well then. Good luck with Sprong and Kessel in the same That's lineup. That's the interesting thing about Sprong yeah. joining the party, right? <laughs> this yeah. is going to be a fascinating offseason. No, it is. But Jim will do something. He, you know, I, I don't know what yet. I, I don't think he's going to make a massive trade. There's going to be Phil Kessel rumors out there, and there should be, specifically because of what Mike Sullivan said. Boy. Mike Sullivan didn't need to say, and by the way, the injury was not significant. You never hear coaches. After seasons, you don't hear coaches say that about players. It's usually the other way around. Oh, boy, he, he wanted everybody to know Phil was just fine. That got my attention. How could it not? Yeah, me too. Uh, last thing for real now for you, Josh. The Golden Knights. We were talking <laughs> off the air. I said in an earlier segment on the show, finally, I'll buy in. Okay, yeah. you got me. Eastern Conference, uh, Western Conference final, you're two games away. Here we go. I believe in them now. How can't I? I've picked against them in every series. I'm <laughs> oh, an idiot. Did you really pick against them in every series? Yeah. I love it. It's not personal. I, I was cheering for them the whole time. I just assumed someone would you know, see them for two week, a two-week period and figure them out. It has not happened. And I actually tweeted last night, you know, this is the year the Washington Capitals are finally going to get to the promised land, and Marc-Andre Fleury is going to be waiting for them. How great is that? It might happen. Honest to God, I'm not betting against them anymore. Someone tweeted you classless. I don't know what that meant. I wrote back like with a question mark, and she, I don't think she's responded to me. I don't know why that was classless. I don't know either. It made me laugh. I was sitting on my couch this morning. It made me laugh out loud. Yeah. Classless, Josh. Josh, what the hell are you talking about? You're really making fun of the Capitals, maybe a little bit, but I mean, it's <laughs> kind of funny that they finally get there, and there's like this icon in Penguins history waiting for them. I mean, come on. It's perfect. Best case scenario for Penguins fans? Well, I guess it depends on who you ask. I would assume most Penguins fans just don't want the Caps to win. But if Flurry was the guy to take them out in the final, that'd be pretty great, right? That'd be good theater. It'd be awesome. And he'd oh, yeah. stick his finger in Ovechkin's ear or something. I would presume he would, yes. Josh, really appreciate the time, man. Thanks for coming in. My pleasure. It's good to see you. Good Lay eyes on you. I like this blue button, pal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting them all hot and bothered. Coming up next, it's the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun brought to you by To Be Determined. It's a Crowley Show. Attention citizens, just when you thought your fried chicken values were safe, Taco Bell's Naked Chicken Chalupa is back with a vengeance. This time it's joined by a new, spicy, wilder version, a.k.a. the Hot Daddy-O, a.k.a. the Flaming Phoenix, a.k.a. Saucy Shelly. So if Taco Bell offers you a hit of a new wild Naked Chicken Chalupa, a.k.a. the Spicy Chicken Choop Choop, say there's nothing boss about spicy sauce. Brought to you by the Council for Eating Fried Chicken the same way you always have and not Taco Bell. For a limited time of participating locations. Josh, get get off the button. Get off the don't put your, don't you put that thing on the button. You get that you zip your pants back up right now and you get that off that blue button. You guys I, all right in there? I didn't think he was serious. We got Steve and James here from Spoonwood Brewing. Fired up about that. They'll be on at 6 o'clock. Thirsty Thursday here on the Crowley Show. I'm jammed up. I know Tom is, too, because he's a lush. It's about drinking for taste, Tom, though. Okay? You're not going to get hammered again at work. It's not going to happen. All right, maybe you will. 
That's okay. Tom, tomorrow, a reminder, at this exact time, at this exact moment, he'll be being punished for being late for his show meeting earlier this week. He'll be eating an entire spoonful of wasabi. Big spoonful. Big spoonful. He will vomit. He's going to throw up. Will not vomit. I guarantee you, Earl. I got five bucks, you'll vomit. I got 15. I'll take that. Damn You're not getting any money out of this. Uh, I should have no gotten way. lower. Like, how are you going to end up with money out of a punishment? So you're going to lose money and throw up. That's a bad day. Yeah, how about you bring five bucks for each of us? Yeah. This is like a peace offering. You know what? If you pay me enough. No. 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 I'd still want to see him eat it. No. I'd still want to see him eat it. Have you tried any yet? Yeah, I had a mess of wasabi last night. Oh, yeah? It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. He's not thinking that far ahead. No, he's an idiot. That's why I was late. Twice in one day. It's time for the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun brought to you by To Be Determined. I'm going to do that thing that I always say you shouldn't do. I'm going to look at the Steelers' schedule. I know. I always tell you it's dumb. You don't know anything about these teams at this point because it all depends on when you play a team, not who you play. But I do think the schedule's challenging. Browns, Chiefs, Bucks, Ravens, Falcons, Bengals, Browns, Ravens, Panthers, Jags, Broncos, Chargers, Raiders, Patriots, Saints, Bengals. You see two wins there, right? Cleveland. It's just the way it goes. They're not good. They're going to be better, but they're still not good. They're the Browns. Other than them, though, where are the easy games? I don't see anyone. The Raiders were everyone's darlings going into last year, and they didn't play well enough. Usually those teams who you think are going to be good and then aren't are good that next year. The Chargers are everyone's darling right now. And last year they were 9-7. and seven. The Broncos, they've got Nick Foles. They should be better. And all they need is a decent quarterback to have been a good football team last year. The Bucks were a team that people thought were going to take that step last year. Maybe they take it next year. Plus the Chiefs with Mahomes, the Patriots, the Saints, the Panthers. I can make a case that every team on their schedule is going to be good. And again, the Browns have to improve, and I expect that they will. So we've been worried for years in Pittsburgh about Mike Tomlin's teams playing down to their competition. Last year they lost to the Bears. It shouldn't have happened. It's happened year in and year out in his tenure. I don't think it's anything outside the norm in the National Football League. All these teams are so close because they're all bumped up right against that salary cap. But it does happen. And you can't argue with the facts. Next year, though, where's that team that they're going to play down to? There will be bad teams on the on the schedule. There's no doubt. But right now, I can't point them out. I hate playing the schedule game because you just don't know, but I don't see many teams that the Steelers are going to sleep on. This team having a tough schedule, I think, might actually be good for them. In 2008, when the Steelers won it all, they played a bitch of a schedule. I think this year could be similar in terms of the schedule being tough, but actually helping the Steelers out. Now, in the show meeting, Tom said that's about as big of a homer take as you could have. The schedule's tough, so that's good for the Steelers? Okay, perhaps I'm looking at it the wrong way, but I don't think I am. And I'm right, like, 35% of the time. The Browns are going to be on HBO's Hard Knocks, because of course they are. They've got Baker Mayfield at quarterback. They've got Todd Haley as offensive coordinator. I bet you they're going to put up a Tequila Cowboy now on the mean streets of Cleveland. That's going to be a fun watch. 
Baker Mayfield trying to learn on the fly how to play in an NFL system while at the same time having to deal with one of the harder offensive coordinators in the league to deal with. I'm actually excited about that. I know Stan spent a large portion of his show today from noon until 2 talking about hard knocks. I'm not going to spend all that much time on it, but I can't think of that many other teams in the National Football League that I'd rather see in there this year than the Cleveland Browns. I mean, I'd love to see the Steelers. I know Steelers fans don't want to see that because it's a distraction. Eh, The team's littered with distractions anyhow. uh, Last year, there was the anthem controversy. Not going to get into that. Antonio Brown's throwing Gatorade coolers. Martavis Bryant wanted to get traded. Le'Veon Bell's not showing up for training camp on time. James Harrison's falling asleep in meetings. Mike Tomlin looked ahead to the New England Patriots. Mike Mitchell looked ahead to the New England Patriots. Really, the list goes on and on and on. You don't need an HBO show to see the Steelers as a soap opera. But my God, would that not look awesome on HBO? Get a behind-the-scenes look at how Mike Tomlin deals with all that tomfoolery. Des Bryant says he has no regret passing on the Ravens' offer. Hey, spoiler alert, Des, you still don't have a job. And maybe he wants his career to be over, but I'd want the money. Get that cash, homie. You don't want to be coming in right after training camp, getting somebody's scraps. Uh, You don't want to be coming in after training camp and getting a low-ball offer, and you have to take it because there are no other options out there. The Ravens offered him a good deal, a deal that was more than market value, I think, for a guy who's a little bit washed up, and he passed. I do think eventually he's going to realize that was a mistake. Drew Brees gave an amputee a prosthetic leg. That was the headline on ESPN. Drew Brees gives an amputee a prosthetic leg. Meanwhile, I'm guessing the creator of the leg got ignored. It's not like Drew Brees came up with the science. It's not like Drew Brees fit this kid with a prosthetic leg. He's a quarterback. He got the kid on TV. He did not come up with the science. Oh, it smells like beer in here. And I'm not getting fired. Usually when it smells like beer in here, I got bosses sniffing around. And it's not a good thing. I'm feeling good. What do we got? About eight and a half minutes till we're drinking beer on the air with Spoonwood fired up. Brian, is that take Homerish though? The take that the Steelers' schedule is so tough that it's good? It's absolutely a Homerish take. I mean, really, it's like, oh, yeah, it's so tough. It's going to get them ready for the playoffs. They're going to be battle-tested, man. Jeez, come on. It's a good point, though, Brian. They are going to be battle-tested heading into the playoffs. You want to have some uh, adversity to have to fight against? You know what Mike Tomlin always says? Iron sharpens iron. And the standard is the standard. It is. No matter who you're playing. But I don't see a, I don't see a, a game on his schedule. What are you laughing about? I don't uh, see a game on his you schedule. You get right back into your Homer take. No, That's look, what I'm laughing no, look, about. <laughs> I don't see a game on his schedule that the Steelers are going to roll over for. The Browns on the road. It's to open the season, though. Although last year was damn close. And Tom always says, you bet on that road dog. Also, oh, yeah, it's a rivalry game. And a rivalry game, which means you throw the records out. Son of a... You're right. Maybe that's the one. But they're not going to lay down for the Chiefs. They're going to go on the road to Tampa. In fact, that's the one right there, right? That's the one. That, just mark them down for a loss right now. On the road in Tampa. I'm putting it down. Home dog. Is, home is, dog. Is, Monday, is, Monday night football, too. I mean, that's a classic Steelers, though. It is. But they're going to play the Ravens tough. Falcons are coming to Heinz Field. The Steelers are great at home against NFC teams historically and really over the course of Mike Tomlin's career. Panthers. Whoa. That's a Thursday night game, though. And that's a physical ball club. You don't want to play one of those kind of teams on a Thursday night. But again, it is at home and it's an NFC game at Jacksonville. That's 
not a game where you're going to say, oh, the Steelers lost to a worse team. You're just going to say they lose that game. So I think this schedule is one where you're not going to overlook anybody. And I think for the first time in a couple of years, you can say that. This all being said on May 17th. Well, at least when they get in the playoffs, they'll be battle-tested, right? Iron sharpens iron. In 2008, they had one of the toughest schedules in the National Football League. Went 12-4, and won the Super Bowl. I mean, it's happened before, Brian. And as we know, the past tells us everything we need to know about the future. 14-2? 15-1? That's right. They're going to play an extra game. They get an extra win in there. No, it's going to be punishment <laughs> for Le'Veon Bell because he's not going to show up for training camp. Let him practice it out. Yeah, That's Le- something you got to factor in, though. Le'Veon Bell will be 10-2 and two on the season. <laughs> Last year, he didn't really start until after five games. Uh, he played, but... Yeah. Coming up next, it's time, baby. Beer! With Spoonwood. It's a Crowley show. Hello. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle to help prepare you for the future? All Honda-certified pre-owned vehicles are thoroughly inspected by a Honda-trained technician and backed by an outstanding Honda Limited warranty for up to seven years or 100,000 miles from the original in-service date. You could say we pre-screen each one, you know, as a precaution. Visit hondacertified.com and search for local inventory. See your Honda dealer for limited warranty details. Brian, who's the best player in Major League Baseball? Manny Machado. And you're going to call me a homer. Uh, this guy over here. I live in Pittsburgh. Did you read the ESPN article? You're wearing an Orioles cap. At ESPN, that's a racist article. Seriously. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah, that's a little much. Whoa, wait a second. What? If anything, ESPN's going to try to help the minority. Nah, not here. No way Trout's better than Machado. Yeah, best player of all time that I've seen in the